0: The MLS app has not been good this year. I like it, for a time, it was the, the easiest way to find a, what time a game was or where it was on TV or find highlights for a long time. It was the only place you could get the, like the 15 minute condensed match or 20 minutes in the old days, condensed match. Um, but now that's you, MLS on, live. that's on the regular website. Now the, it a lot of times no highlight package even gets onto the MLS app. Like, I was looking for the Atlanta, DC highlights, uh, just to refresh my memory before we recorded this, and there was no highlight package. There were individual highlights of the goals and saves, but no package on the MLS app. Uh, which is funny because there were links for coming soon for the condensed match and the full one, but it's just like. The app—I don't even know if they're pushing it anymore. I don't. I don't know if they're going to mothball it like they did the Apple TV app. But uh, it's—it makes me sad because it was something I was used to using.
1: I—I I dislike a lot of MLS's MLS digital MLS's digital products. Uh, the schedule part of their website has been a trash fire since the new website was launched, and it's. It works a little better now but like you still have to go week by week on the schedule page you can't see monthly you can't see it's i hate it i hate it i have to go like i i i usually go to dc united's page or to my google calendar integration with the weird calendar company uh instead to actually <laughs> find out like times uh uh of the one that advertised and, like, on your like, calendar on. Well, if people remember, it wasn't actually them. It was the old integration that advertised on my calendar.
0: Okay. uh,
1: And they publicly uh, 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 mentioned that. And so I I, I apologize to them. But, yes, like that Google Calendar integration is the best schedule page in all of MLS.
2: Can I – I've gotten to the point where we're very lucky that friend of the show, Matt Montgomery, happens to be a very talented... Uh, oh, that one too! Yes.
1: Um,
2: and he wrote a um, version of the MLS form guide that the league just got rid of entirely, which is very frustrating, I think, to all of us because the form guide was very it was useful good. in that yes. it, was a vi- it was both visually very easy to figure out and also had links to the games that you need to use. So when I want to refer to the last five or six games, I don't have to fight through the current schedule page which is bad uh, on the the website it's still very it's just difficult to use it just takes a long time to find what you want you can't group it by month it has to it stays weekly it will not cooperate um but the form guide allowed you to bypass that it was just here are the links that you want compressed in red green or yellow squares matt decided wow the form guide was a great thing that they got rid of and he made it on his own which is awesome and it's I've literally I'm looking at it right now um, and so that has become a big resource for me and if I need to find out kickoff time if I can't remember it uh, I have taken to just googling DC United schedule because that is so much <laughs> faster than going to either the league or and the team is using the league's programming their platform the league integrated all of that into I mean, you know every team even revolution soccer has to run through um <laughs> why yeah, i think structure. I think
1: their I think their background CDN is mlsdigital.net
2: that wouldn't surprise me um but yeah uh the, the best way to find the information is thankfully I don't I don't know if Matt wants that link out there or not um so I don't know Let's if we're not. going to share it but um as of now, it's a thing that we are lucky to have access to, and Matt's awesome that he did that.
0: Yes. Um, I On the schedule page, I actually do like the weekly as the default, because I, if I want to see a million scores and scroll for months to, to get to today, I can... It'd be that, fine if it finds the but, default,
1: but there's no other option.
0: Right. That's that's the issue. Yeah. Is that they don't have the other one. The old like the old website started with whatever the current month was and showed you the rest of the season. And if you wanted the whole season, you had to go through some weird clicks. Um, yeah. It, MLS has a weird relationship with time, which I think we'll talk about in the second segment when we talk about <laughs> the leaks <Cup laughs> announcement. Anyway, what? hey, hey, welcome in. It's filibuster, the black and red united, and what is time podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson and Ben Bromley. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United. Uh, unfortunately, this week, we're talking about a loss. DC United went to Atlanta, and lost three to two. We're going to talk about that in the first segment. In the second segment, we are going to preview uh, DC United's upcoming visit from FC Cincinnati. Watch it Uh, on buzzard Point saturday night 7 30 uh if you can't get down there watch it on nbc sports washington tell exitos dc united.com or espn plus all the usual locations now that we got this one and only national tv game behind us everything will just be on those usual four outlets before we talk about anything though ben what are you drinking
1: i am going with a uh, martini tonight uh stirred not shaken
0: uh and in a rocks glass
1: Yes. I don't have martini glasses. Those are so specialized. It's just like why would I keep a martini you
0: glass? have a wine
1: glass? Uh, yeah, I mean, almost all of our wine glasses are stemless, so they are functionally the same size That's and right. same shape as a rocks glass. Fair. Yeah. Gin gin gin, martini, of course.
0: Yes, naturally. Uh, I
1: know it I know it's no longer summer technically, but it's still muggy in Richmond, Virginia. And also, you can't tell me when I can drink uh, a, a martini. So, What's your garnish? Um, I did not garnish.
0: I so not no garnish olive, no twist?
1: No, no, no. Just um, um, the gin, the uh, dry vermouth, and
0: I looked hard at a bottle of bitters. Jason, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I've switched to a different uh, Oktoberfest. Uh, this time I have Sam Adams Oktoberfest. And the reason I have that is I went to the liquor store and it was still hot out. The weather shift has since happened. And I've been buying uh, 12 packs of uh, cans of Sapporo all summer because one liquor store started selling it at like Bud Light prices. And I was like, well, I'm going to get the Sapporo every time. Uh, the price went up a dollar uh after that initial like oh it's competitive and it's like well it's only a dollar uh i went back there this past time and the price had gone up to uh 17 dollars for the 12 pack of sapporo and at that Ooh, point it was oh. like well now you're in league with better beers than this so i'm not gonna do that um but i still wanted 12 beers and i wanted them in one case so i grabbed the oktoberfest which was adam. like six feet to the right
1: adam did you know that uh sam adams is actually short for spotten adams oktoberfest
0: I what
1: I get it then. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think I'm too tired tonight to yeah. get the same, a joke.
2: It, it, it's the same beer joke. He, he's saying spotting the beer brand, it, it's a yeah. it's bringing back that joke.
0: Yeah, uh oh, see now I'm there. <laughs> yeah, now got I got that. you. Uh, I, I'm also drinking an Oktoberfest, but it's a DC Brow Oktoberfest nice. made right here in the District of Columbia. A good one. Um, I have.
1: I have a, It is a good Fests one. My, I have Oktoberfests in my fridge. I have uh, Devil's Backbone Oktoberfest, which is a
2: a, a favorite a of mine. One. So maybe I'll have that next week.
0: Does Flying Dog do an Oktoberfest? We could have a full DMV.
2: Oh, there's a. There are several Maryland Oktoberfests. Uh, unfortunately, the liquor store I was at with the Good Support, or formerly Good Support, ordeal doesn't really have a great selection of local beers. Otherwise, so mm. this was one of those like, well, I already am here for this one thing that is now. Overly priced for what it is, so I'm going to just get something else.
0: Fair enough. Um, I guess we should talk about soccer at some point. Um, the story was Atlanta United's $40 million front line, and uh, that should tell you uh, generally, this game did not go how DC United would have wanted it to go. Three to two final uh, for the home team down south last weekend, despite a couple of collazos from Felipe and Edison Flores. Uh, I want to start, I, I, I think, talking about the lineup for this one. It, a couple pieces short of a first-choice 11 from Hernan Losada. Annie Nahar was left home, uh, did not travel for this one, and Edison Flores was left on the bench. Instead of the usual 3-4-3, we got a 3-5-2 with Drew Skundrich in the middle uh, who would flare out wide in the defensive phases uh, to help out when, when Atlanta swung the ball around. But I'm, I'm curious what you guys thought about the, that choice and the the idea behind it, what you think the thinking was.
2: There was an interesting thing there where most of the time it was the front two would shift a little to the right and Scundridge would push up to be a third man there. But there were times where play necessitated shifting to the left and Russell Canals actually did step up in those moments, which was an, an interest, It was interesting to see it. So, to such an extent uh, that I don't, I don't think we've seen before. Um, I, I don't think it's the worst idea at all, especially with Atlanta to sort of the weapons they have to shift into more of a five. Um, so, so from a, a formation perspective, um, it's not too different from things we've seen out of DC. It was maybe a little more obvious how committed they were to wanting that third man, which we kind of talked about in the Chicago show with how they use um, uh, Phoebe and Herber's. Um, it's just that d c is a little more well defined in what they're trying to do, so it was not unclear where Skundrich and or Canals were supposed to be in a given moment um that's Chicago's failing is that it was often like should herbers be up high? i don't know um <laughs> d c didn't have that problem, which is good um but you know ultimately some moments of, you know, some individual mistakes, I think kind of undid a lot of what DC was doing on the day because, um, I I don't think this was a tactical failure, um, or a structural problem. It's just, um, the fouls, the the foul on Barco was, or that that caused the bar that allowed the Barco free kick, um, just kind of an avoidable break. Um, it's not a moment of defending DC needs to be doing, um, and a little bit of a soft call, but Adam, you wrote about the officiating in this game, which was not great. Um,
1: uh, Mr. Dickinson.
2: Yeah, it was it was, it was a rough one, uh, to say the least. I saw a, a tweet from the Atlanta side of things saying that uh, this was actually an Atlanta United record in terms of fouls won in a game, um, yep.
0: to which I would say, how many of them were actually fouls? Because uh, I think we can drop that number by like 10. Um, right someone someone added me with that saying this was the most fouls atlanta united had ever suffered and it was specifically in response to my complaint about kevin paredes's yellow card late in the game kevin paredes gets in a foot race with marcelino moreno beats him to the ball and yes. knocks it out for a goal kick and is rewarded with a yellow card for reasons passing understanding and i pointed out that this is a nonsense call and he said whatever atlanta won fair and square dc united committed more fouls than any team Atlanta's ever played it. It's well, like, no, they got called for more you're, fouls. You're, and and you're you making start, my point for me.
2: Once you start engaging with um the I fringe didn't even of an Atlanta fan base, <laughs> um much like the fringe of an Orlando fan base. Um right. there yes, are plenty of weird. Orlando City or Atlanta fans that I am perfectly fine talking to and disagreeing with because they can disagree like adults. Uh it's just that both of those fan bases also have a lot of people that cannot disagree like an adult, and at that point, there's nothing yeah, you can this do this was a tweet
0: he it was sent hours after the game to me um right. like in, literally in the middle of the night and i was just yeah. like not responding it's like you're mad in your team won like go to sleep
2: right. enjoy your responding win. Yeah. yeah yeah but uh anyway no um yeah o- o- i was just gonna say overall like dc kind of shot themselves on the foot um as much as barco's free kick is a great goal um The the third goal does take a extremely high level of uh, technical mastery. uh, Unfortunately for from Moreno, Um, it's also a play where there are certain points in that where DC needed to like quite literally like shove shove Moreno down,
0: Um, actually commit the foul there,
2: like push him out of bounds and off the field of play, like almost comedically uh, at a certain extent. Um, But because they were stretched out and everyone's a little worried, like oh if I go too far, I'm going to give away a penalty. It's like well. Given what's going on elsewhere, because this is a counterattack, no one's getting back before George Bello, who is very fast. Um, it is advisable to risk giving up the penalty in exchange for not giving up a tap in from three yards with the to the empty side of an unprotected goal. Um, so these are mistakes. You know, these are individual mistakes that players made rather than the system not working or breaking down. um which unfortunately will happen sometimes. Uh, unfortunately, they happened too many times in this game because DC could have Definitely. won this game.
0: Yeah, this is the second time is we've it? lost to Atlanta this year and could have won. Their difference makers made a difference, and that that was what what got them the win in both games. That last goal, though, um, Moreno's assist to Bello uh, was kind of emblematic of what I think Losada was thinking of when he ran out the three five two in this one because Moreno got into a lot of space in the midfield and we saw um, Araujo do the same thing uh, where he got into space on the run and that is when Atlanta is at their most dangerous and good Atlanta teams have always been at their most dangerous running through the midfield and putting an extra body in there kind of prevents that and Atlanta didn't really get on the run much in the first half I think DC had the the better of the expected goals, and if not for a miracle Brad Guzon save on a point-blank Russell Canals header right. at the end of the first half, United <sighs> gets into the break, like looking really good, uh, no matter what the commentators for Univision yeah, and well, TuD were saying.: um, Yeah,
2: well, th- I think they were there they for were. Atlanta to win the game. Um, not yeah, necessarily they, they as were. Homers, more like we are expecting this to go a certain way because we cover these bigger teams more often. Um, much like an old school Galaxy broadcast on national TV would kind of have this same feel, um, and it was almost like DC is opponent, and they have shown up today <laughs> in their uniforms, and they are here to play soccer against the team that you're all paying attention to. It had that vibe. Right. Um, and I mean, it, it,
1: it's it's classic of the broadcasts that have been on Twitter. I feel like they often have these kinds of Homer uh, broadcasters for the national TV games on Twitter, and um, it's not great. It, it doesn't feel great as a national broadcast. Even if I was a neutral, I, I'd, I don't think I'd want the broadcast team to be fully concentrating on one side of the equation.
0: No, it's, uh, it's, it's, it was almost hype, hyperbolic, almost, uh, an impression of Dick Vital at his worst, um, when Duke is playing or something. Um, just, it, yeah, it made it less fun to watch having to listen to them, but, um, you know, that's the, it that's the way they decided to cover the game. So what can you do? Um, there was a second goal in there for Atlanta that, that came after uh, a miscommunication between Julian Gressel and Russell Knauss mm-hmm. and a bad Gressel giveaway. Not his only one of the game, not his mm-hmm. first one of the game. Um, but this one, I think he was expecting Knauss to pop out and Knauss instead ran into the coverage shadow uh, of a defender and and it was ended up looking like a very weak back pass um, and effectively was. Barco runs onto it dishes it to martinez running in behind and it's a little dink and there's nobody who's stopping that once barco's on the ball in that situation that is that is the goal atlanta united are designed to score more than any other um and it was it was a mistake in the back from dc united it was the kind of goal that dc united wants to create for themselves
2: um well this gets into what atlanta did to kind of cut gressel out of the game um And it's it's an interesting thing because he was involved. Uh, He did lead the team in touches. Um, So he and his his set piece delivery was great. DC probably needed to do more with that than they did. Um, But what Atlanta did really, really well was they made sure he never had time from open play to do very much. So he was always under pressure. He was often having to face away from goal or at least away from his best options to do something on the ball. Um, And this is a situation where, he gets on the ball and someone's on his back immediately. So he doesn't have time to size up a better pass. Um, Like you said, Adam, this wasn't the only back pass giveaway that he had in this game. Um, And it was kind of a recurring theme. Atlanta was very, very focused and very committed and did a very good job, unfortunately, of making sure that, yes, Gressel will get his touches, but we do not want him getting space. Um, When he gets his touches... We want him playing conservatively at best. That's the outcome we want is back passes, sideways passes to to Canals or Moreno. That's what we want. We don't. What we don't want is this combination play that lets him get into space on the wing to put in crosses because that's where DC creates so much danger from. Um, they really, I think, did that at a pretty high level, even with the fact that when you look at how they set up there, because they also played 5-3-2, they had Marcelino Moreno as their left central midfielder, which means he has a bigger defensive job, um, help always having to help out. Cause it's not one guy has to go harass Julian Gressel every single time. Um, it's a team thing, but they just always had three guys getting around him. Um, whether that was Anton walks stepping up to help out or Moreno coming out from the middle or even, um, Santiago Sosa coming out from the middle as well. Um, even sometimes uh, forwards Barco and, and Martinez sometimes coming back to be that third man, but they always got that third man around him. Um, and in this case, it, it contributes quite a bit to a goal. But I think the bigger thing for DC is that this kind of cut off their supply line to the front line, and so instead of it being, you know, Julian Gressel gets five or six key passes as he often does, um, he was restricted to, to set pieces. Um, his his, I think his normal expected assist number, if you average it out for the entire season, is like 0.33, which is in line with the MLS data. They had him at 0.30 for this game, so very close to normal on average. But when you look at where he had to do that from, it's all dead balls. It's not open play. Um, and if a team cuts DC off from open play to that extent, they need to, one, they need to figure out how to break that because now if yes. you're another team, you're looking at what Atlanta did to, take Gressel out of the game and open play. And you're saying, how, how much can we replicate that? Um, and some of this is the, the broader issue that we keep running into, which is that DC has lost seven of the 11 games they played without Andy Nahar starting at right center back. Um, and Andy Nahar at right center back really makes it what they did so much more difficult than uh, it is normally. It's not that Donovan Pines played badly um, or even stayed home too much. He was actually, he, he was he getting up there. He has a one of D.C.'s successful crosses in this game was Donovan Pines coming up from right <laughs> center back. Um, so he's getting into the spots that Nahar gets into, but what he does with the ball is just not what Andy Nahar does with the ball. And we, not only does D.C. not have a replacement for that, I don't think that you could, you could have D.C. Ha- have access to every MLS roster, and I don't think that there would be a replacement for what Nahar does. So D.C. might have to figure out how they are going to replace that because it will require – A different approach you will not plug someone in who's just slightly worse andy nahar that player isn't out there right Um, i think
0: brendan heinz ike is the closest thing on this roster to that he was playing that advanced center back role before andy was healthy enough to start but he's obviously not andy nahar either nahar especially his relationship with gressel his ability to dribble through pressure um and then to find the pass after that that's unmatched and it's it's really key. And I think when you have both him and Flores out of the lineup, um, you're left with Gressel really being the only passing type creator on this team. Yeah,
1: like I was going to say, Heinzeich, unfortunately, isn't walking through that door anytime soon.
0: No.
2: We He, um, for, for our listeners that maybe haven't seen on Instagram, I think it was only five or six days ago that he posted a video of himself running on a treadmill in the um what they call the alter g which is the like artificial lower gravity thing you zip yourself in it's very it's a very weird contraption you zip yourself into and you run and they basically use a vacuum chamber kind of thing to lower the weight being put on your body um so you run but it's not the the weight process or the the contact on your um your joints is lower so that's where he is. And that's a pretty early stage rehab thing. So it's going to be a while. It's probably the fact it's, that it's this late in the season. I don't expect him to be in uniform. Even if DC goes to MLS cup, I don't expect it. That's this thing how far is out wild out. looking Jason. Oh, it's a strange <laughs> contraction. Um, uh, yeah. T- it's uh, alter a L T E R dash G. Um, if you want to look it up, if you're listening to this, that's the thing that he was running on. Um, but yeah. I was thinking about this earlier, thinking about Cincinnati, actually, and not to spoil that, but there's, they did something recently where they played Ronald Matarita as left center back uh, in part because they have a shortage of defenders. Um, And on paper, you might say, okay, that's like a left-sided Nahar kind of thing. It's almost like they're trying to replicate it. The difference is that Matarita's strength coming forward is attacking space. He's not drawing defenders into close quarters and beating them that way he wants space to run into. Andy Nahar is one of the best players in the entire league at playing, like being comfortable at welcoming pressure, being comfortable getting two or three guys around him in close range and still getting away. And so once he wriggles out of those situations, you've got three players who are completely out of the play. And if you've got three guys clustered around a a tight space that are now out of the play and behind the ball, not only are they out of the play, but the other team's whole structure is thrown off. Um, because you've lost three players that have taken the risk of saying, we're going to break our shape to go win the ball here. If they don't come out with the ball, which is, we've seen this with DC a couple of times, you overcommit to pressing one spot. You don't come out with the ball. You are in deep trouble immediately. And that is what Andy Nahar brings to the table that DC has to find a way. I mean, hopefully the solution is just Andy Nahar plays all the rest of the games this season. Um, But it seems like we're kind of like, Losada kind of sandbagged us again on this one where he actually said um after the Wednesday game he said no for this game uh we're not concerned about the playing surface at all. He could play on grass, he could play on turf, he could play on wood. Um so <laughs> it sounded like he was 100% certain to play and then he didn't play.
0: He didn't um, even travel.
2: Yes. So you have to assume and we we haven't you know we're recording on Wednesday we'll talk to Losada tomorrow about what's going on there. Um you have to assume this is mostly precautionary, which means that it's A, are they willing to play him on turf? B, are they willing to play him two games back-to-back on a short rest? Um, those are unknowns, and I understand competitively why DC would want teams believing, well, he's definitely going to play. Um, but in the meantime, DC has to develop a solution for the occasions that he's not available because it seems yeah. like we're going to deal with some time where he's not available.
0: Right. Uh right now DC United outside of a playoff spot. I still think they make the playoffs. I I don't know if I still see a path to a home playoff game especially with Atlanta United doing what they are right now. Uh but I think DC United is still a playoff team at this point. And once you get to the playoffs, the matches are more reasonably spaced, but you have to get there. And with the with Andy Nahar, there's no question this team is uh, e- easily a playoff team. Without him, less so. So, you're probably going to have to win a game without Andy to at this point to to get in, and well, I don't love that.
2: Especially when you look at, like, as we're recording this game, NYCFC is up 1-0 against the Red Bulls um, in stoppage time, so that's probably going to be a win for them, which means that they all of a sudden go from four points ahead of DC to seven. Um, Nashville one in a, in a laugher tonight um they beat miami 5-1 so now they're on 44 dc's probably not going to make up 10 points in nine games to to get level with nashville um they're probably not going to get uh make up the seven points they would need to on <laughs> nycfc and so that gets us through that's your top three right there atlanta's on fire right now um you know catching philly montreal and orlando orlando's not necessarily in the best form at the moment um they've lost three straight so actually not necessarily the best means bad Um, (laughs) it's viable that they could get that fourth seed playoff home game but getting there is going to take is still going even with the teams ahead of us being maybe not so good it's still going to require dc pretty much not dropping too many like do they have room to lose a, a one away game between now and then Probably one, uh, but not more than one. Um, it's going to be getting into the playoffs I think is very viable, but getting that home (laughs) playoff game, the, the margin is very narrow at this point doable, but narrow.
0: It's going to require some help basically, especially since we're done playing Atlanta this year. um, Uh, and
2: and Atlanta doesn't appear to be on the verge of like cooling off.
0: No, they're the most light. Like I, I, you went through the top three, you know, Atlanta might pass NYCFC, but, um, like I think at this point, the top four looks a, as clear as it has all season in the right. East. And that that's a little unfortunate because I wanted, I wanted that home playoff game. Um, so going back to Atlanta specifically, uh, it, it's not as fun to be on the other side when Atlanta does Atlanta things. Um, but like Jason said, DC United were in this game. They could have won this game second time this year that Atlanta's difference makers were literally the difference. Um, I really want to see what DC United can do without rotation and without short rest against Atlanta. Like I kind of want to see them in the playoffs just to see like what happens there. Like, I really kind of hope that happens. I'm, and, you know. I'm
1: good. I, I'd, I'd rather Atlanta just lose their first round <laughs> game against not DC United, and then we don't have to answer this question. And then DC United can just beat up on uh Nashville and we can make fun of your cousin and stuff like that.
2: I mean, however, it turns out, like, one of the things that we have to, I don't know, cosmically solve here is like, Brad Guzan looks like the best form of his entire life, Brad Guzan, only against DC and against no one else. Uh, He looks like the 37-year-old version of Brad Guzan against everyone else. But when he plays DC, he is like, I am, it's when I was playing for Aston Villa and we're in a cup final level performance. Right. Um, And that's... I wonder (laughs) if
0: this is just his motivation because Bill Hamid talked some smack that one time and Brad Guzan just carries a grudge.
2: Maybe. Uh, It's as good an explanation as there is, but... I wonder um, I wonder if eventually that uh Brad goes in, he's not quite there yet, but if
1: maybe next year he gets to Tim Howard level, like Colorado Rapids Tim Howard level goalkeeping against everyone else, but still pulls out uh the Secretary of Defense level uh goalkeeping against DC United.
2: I, I mean it, it really is like we gotta we gotta figure it out. Um and I don't know what DC can do. Um, other than I don't know. figure out an old
1: bald man.
2: Yeah. Uh, because like this, the saves he's made against DC in both games, um, have really been the difference between the results. Like as much as we want to talk about Barco's free kick or, um, the run on that, that goal at the end, um, the difference maker here that DC doesn't end up getting a draw or even a win in a high scoring game in both is Brad Guzan makes saves that, honestly just don't get made very much in MLS. Um, And this isn't DC playing Matt Turner at his best. It's, you know, Brad Guzan. the data says these goals should go in. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They really should have gone in. So um, I mean, full credit, unfortunately to him for making those saves and DC has to find a way to create more chances so that even when the top save gets made, it's not, that's not it. Um, But it would be nice for DC to play Atlanta and not need a like Sports Center number one play of the day goal, um, which is all of their goals against Atlanta this year are all extremely unlikely, spectacular, difficult goals. They have not scored an easy one or even a well-worked one that ends with an easy finish. It's all Jordi Reyna scoring from the touchline from 30 yards away, or Felipe and and Flores both trying to literally destroy like half the stadium with a powerful shot. Um, <laughs> Flores, Flores did I, it
0: a couple of times. Guzan yeah, saved the first one.
2: <laughs> yeah, unfo- yeah. Unfortunately, um, Flores could have been uh, maybe like a team of the week in a, in a tie, um, if not for the first the first volley he hit from getting saved. I will say for him, uh, pretty much the reaction you would want to see from someone who yes. is not getting to play lately. Uh, and by lately, I just mean it's the last two games. So we don't want to read. A ton into it, but it was surprising on Wednesday to not see him starting instead of Reyna. Um, yes, and you know, for Flores, the situation it's kind of a dual pronged thing where if they're going to play three up front, full time three up front, not the temporary central midfielders jumping up, he has to be better than Reyna. Um, and he also, if he's playing well enough, if he's justifying the playing time, then Losada's not going to necessarily say let's change our tactics to five-three-two. He's going to say, like, let's leave Flores in. Um, let's play with three up front, even on the road. Um, and those are both options that, or, or maybe he says, let's play Ariola at left wing back. Like, there are a bunch of ways he could approach that problem. But Flores has to force the issue. And the way he played coming in off the bench against Atlanta, I think, was about as much as you can expect. Um, he forced the issue as best he can. Um, but, you know, we need that, every week, which has kind of been the running Edison Flores thing for a while is that obviously super talented, but are you going to get it all the time? Because DC, when you put $5 million up as DC United, this is not Atlanta where it's like, oh, who cares? It's $5 million. DC United, if, if there's a player with a $5 million transfer fee, that player needs to be like a top three player for DC United. And Flores could be that. I think he has the ability to be that, but there's just the application is not always there it's it's often he plays well he plays like a tam level player and like a good tam player but not five million dollar designated player level this looked right, a right. little bit if like
0: that yeah if he's scoring these goals and uh if he's able to get in and help create some uh, offense not just score a goal here and there if he can start doing stuff every week it that would be really helpful to DC United's chances Um, because we we've seen him do the work. We've seen him start to get on a roll and then he gets hurt. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to get
2: Or in this case, you know, the international duty comes up, which there's no, unfortunately, no avoiding um, unless Peru's struggling in world cup qualifying. If they struggle for long enough, maybe at a certain point, they're like, we're going to give his playing time to some guy, you know, some 19 year old that's coming up. Um, I don't know though. I don't think that's going to happen. yeah so he's gonna have to find his form despite also having an October international window to cope with, which is not a not easy because uh the flying down there that's i don't know seven eight hours flying down there, and then you've gotta travel throughout Latin America to an away game at some point and then you have to get back here the flight not might- might not be direct, so there's a reason he didn't play that first game out of the three and seven um and it was not that he was still on international duty it was like He's back, but he is in no shape to play. Like we have to rest him because he's exerted himself too much and the travel is too draining. Well, and then there's a November fix.
0: one immediately before the playoffs start too.
2: Um, I mean, unfortunately, the way to fix this is to like, like fans worldwide to take soccer. over FIFA uh, and uh, stop them from just the endless piling on of games, which we're going to talk about later. Um, yep. International soccer is a big culprit here. There shouldn't be this many. They had to lessen the qualifiers. They opted not to because who would ever, the arrow has to point up, um, unfortunately. Right. And so the outcome that's... is Flores's form gets disrupted by the international Right, regions. like for soccer, like all things, the arrow always
1: has to point to stonks.
2: Yes, uh, that's the only way the arrow can ever point. And so all of our lives must be shaped around that because that is a fact. Uh, it's not a thing that doesn't have to be that we do to ourselves it's no no this is a fact it's locked in forever
0: weirdly though nycfc not stonks they uh they gave up a late penalty to (laughs) the red bulls (laughs) a hundred a
1: hundredth a hundredth minute penalty and uh wow the red bulls converted it it was
0: it was on VAR, and it was a second yellow to maxime chenot so nyc actually finished on nine men Okay. Um as well. So that, and had that to will settle hamper for a draw.
2: In the future, uh, as well, the the lost uh men on red cards. Yeah. So maybe maybe a little more vulnerable than we were just saying. Yeah. Uh L- losing Keaton Parks
0: and Maxime Cheneau to their next game. I don't know who it's against, but you know, that could affect them.
2: Hopefully it pans out.
0: <laughs> Hopefully for DC United. Uh we will be right back to talk about FC Cincinnati and the brand new Super Duper Mega Ultra Leaks Cup. Stick around. It's filibuster. All right, say you're at work and uh something unfortunate or untoward happens and you need some legal representation to uh to assert your rights in that situation, whether a boss mistreated you, you were fired unfairly, uh or, or or something worse happens, Ben, in the District of Columbia and Northern Virginia, you know who to call, right?
1: Yeah, you call the Ehrlich Law Office because you have rights.
0: That's right, and your rights matter, and you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. The Ehrlich Law Office handles workplace discrimination. They do civil rights. Uh, if you have a wage theft issue, they are there for you. If you have uh, a separation from your employer that you want to to get down on paper and you're dealing with a, a non-compete clause or or something to to that effect if you uh if you feel like your civil rights have been violated by a local government call the Ehrlich law office uh if you want a free consultation tell them we sent you go to earlicklawoffice.com slash It's a rhetorical question. Uh, welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Um, to answer a question from the end of the last segment, NYCFC's next opponent after facing the New York Red Bulls tonight on Wednesday is the New York Red Bulls. They get back to back after uh, an earlier delay uh, or postponement. So that's fun. Uh, and it- it's interesting when you, you know, get players red carded and then you get to actually enjoy not playing against those players in the next game. Uh, Anyway, DC United returned to buzzard point to kick off another sprint of three games in eight days, starting with a visit from Lucho Acosta and FC Cincinnati who are um, a very bad soccer team (laughs) Um, since their scoreless draw against DC at the very end of July uh, at the brand new TQL stadium FC Cincinnati have won just once. And that was over Toronto FC, the one and only team below Cincinnati in the Eastern conference standings. Um, Is there any excuse, Jason, if DC United does not put on a rerun of the 3-0 win over Chicago against Cincinnati. Oh, oh
1: guys, I just, I fell asleep during your just intro of that because Cincinnati is so boring, and I just, <laughs> like, like, I was just imagining eating Cincinnati-style chili instead of thinking about their soccer team.
2: I Honestly, and... it seems like the right thing to do um, because their soccer team, it's been rough. Like, Adam, you just pointed out how long it's been with only one win. It goes back beyond that game yes um so it's it's one win in 16 um and it is against the worst team in mls this year toronto fc um yeah it's been a disaster for them that it's it's five losses out of six as well um and not always to good teams they've lost to miami they've lost to columbus um new england and atlanta completely demolished them so yeah this is a cincinnati team they also lost um Um, Alvaro Barrial and Isaac Atanga to red cards in their last game. So they're missing two attacking players. Um, Cincinnati's in such a state that last night our, our friend Laurel failure, who was at the U S women's national team game in Cincinnati tweeted out that uh, Cincinnati had, (laughs) had managed to stay the goal scoring leader at TQL stadium by one goal um, over the U S playing one game there versus Cincinnati has had uh, several um and they have they have nine goals there and the u.s scored eight last night so that's the way things are for fc cincinnati they they have it you know lucho's playing well i think i've seen some people maybe overstating how well he's played but he has played well it's just there's just too much to carry for one player um they don't have a defensive midfield presence they don't have good individual defenders at the back they don't have particularly good goalkeeping this is why they lose games uh, because they're, I, I would say they're also not super well coached. It doesn't seem like, but I right. also feel like I would like to see a Cincinnati team with enough good players where I could actually get a gauge on just how much of it is coaching because most of the time it doesn't even get to that point. It's like you, you got to walk before you can run. And these guys are still not walking yet um, because they just don't have enough good soccer players.
0: Weirdly, they are, better on the road than they are at home. They have 20 points this year. 12 of them came on the road. They've three wins on the road to only one at home. Um it re- reminds me of was that 2010 DC United that just was somehow better on the road than at home, which is not to say actually good, just less terrible. Maybe. Uh, like DC United I don't think has three wins on the road this year even though they've played like with the underlying numbers the best I think they I think they have three.
2: I I'm noticing that Cincinnati's uh, nine of their points this year have come against the other Canadian teams in the East. They beat uh, Montreal when away to Montreal meant Miami, uh, and they beat TFC yes. when away to Toronto meant Orlando. Um, so they have beating up on. I'm sorry, Adam. Yeah, they no, they've, they've been beating up Taking on uh, the the Canadian teams in the East, um, and that's it. Uh, and DC famously not a Canadian city. <laughs> So that's Very famous. famously,
0: <laughs> I don't know. Streets were designed by a Frenchman, so maybe maybe they have a chance but no, here.
1: Okay, but Adam, I feel like DC is the least Canadian city in America.
2: How so? <laughs> I feel like they. The, it the it
1: is not self evident to me. Tried to conquer Canada.
0: I still. Don't know that I am willing to accept that. Anyway, um, there's not really much else to say about Cincinnati at this point. Um, They're bad. D.C. United should beat them. Uh, D.C. United should score goals in a a multitude of ways. It should be a party on Buzzard Point on Saturday. Um, And we are going to leave it at that because there was some news today that uh, we wanted to talk about before it got stale and thankfully we have a an opponent that there's not a lot to say about that, that frees up some space for this. Um, right now, as we record, the first half of the League's Cup final between Seattle and Lyon is on. It's currently scoreless right now. Um, but earlier today, Don Garber and his counterpart from Liga MX East and the head of CONCACAF uh, announced that starting in 2023, the Leagues Cup will be bigger and betterer um than it is now, with every team in MLS and Liga MX taking part in a quote World Cup style tournament. Uh both uh. leagues will rejigger their schedules to free up a month, probably August or or, you know, most of it will take place in August. Um where there will be no other league games from these two leagues. And it will be just straight up a, a 47 and eventually I assume 48 team tournament, um, which, you know, works out well to how the world cup will be starting in 2026. Um, it's I, I tweeted initially. I have very mixed feelings about this um, because I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed MLS back. I like the competition with Mexican teams. Uh, I like, you know, basically bubble tournaments. Even if it's not in one location, I enjoy standalone tournaments that are not just spread throughout the year as fixture congestion. However, there doesn't seem to be a lot of mitigation to the several extra games this is going to put on teams and is going to lead to more fixture congestion in the rest of the schedule because it's just compressing the same amount of games into less time. So, I don't like grinding players into dust. I don't like putting more workload on players um, without compensating them. Like so, I have I have mixed feelings because I think the idea is really cool. I just think there's a lot of questions here.
1: I don't have mixed feelings as it's pronounced as it's been uh, pronounced so far. At least I am against this i think having both this and the concacaf champions league is too many too many cups for the for the concacaf region uh i, I feel like like you said it's going to grind players into dust and uh it's it, it's just it, it's a money grab at this point it's trying to get uh more Uh, television dollars without any concern for the well-being of the players and that combined with uh, FIFA wanting to put the World Cup every two years and uh, everyone wanting to just put more and more games uh, into the schedule we're going to start breaking down these players earlier and earlier and like at some point like they're these are, these are wealthy, insanely wealthy capitalists at the head of all of these uh, uh, leagues and teams and confederations and all of this. And, of course, they want just more and more money. But at some point, not at some point, now, it's going to harm their product. It's going to harm their players. It's going to uh, make the quality of play across all the but these competitions and the leagues worse, and there's not there like there's a finite amount of soccer players. There isn't an infinite amount of soccer players, and if we just run them into the ground, busting their uh, knees, busting their ankles, like giving them concussions from headers and all of this stuff, it, like it's not it, it, we're pushing into a not sustainable future, and like the 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 owners may not see it this way of the teams but like it's not worth it at some point to, to like rest an extra million dollars from the
2: stone that is your actual human players yeah um i, I mean the idea of the tournament uh i feel it's fine it's not mm-hmm. traditional and that's okay mls doesn't have to do everything traditionally um <clears throat> i think it could be fun. Um the fact that it's everybody is kind of interesting because there are a lot of teams that have been historically like have no chance realistically of getting to the Champions League uh the normal ways. They get to have their exposure to this sort of thing. Um so all of that stuff is well and good. Um what I have an issue with is just calendar-wise it doesn't work. You can't expand the number of games forever because you can't expand the The calendar that everyone has to live their life by, like all stadiums must be domes. Earth circles the sun 360 in in 365 days. Um, days are 24 hours. Uh, these are like these are things we can't fix. Um, and so uh, what we hit is eventually there's a 12 month calendar. You don't get to add month 13 to expand your league a little more. You don't get to add Smarch. it doesn't work uh there's n- it you're not allowed you can't the weather's do lousy it.
0: anyway um
2: it is. this is another problem like let's say like and I want to cite the um the article that Sam Stachel and Felipe Cardenas uh put out with the athletic earlier today. one of the things they said, which I'm not surprised by, I had some pushback uh from a few people saying that they, oh, well, the solution will probably be that MLS will just cut down on the number of games, which I thought was they as likely. They do that. Right. As I, we I said, the arrow always as points likely, out. Yeah, that, that was as likely as them saying, Jason, here's a team for free. Um, and it turns out they are not going to cut down. The 34-game calendar is what they want. This is re- now reported by the article I'm citing that that is the plan to stick with the 34-game schedule. Uh, Which is fine. I feel like once you get shorter than that, you run into a little bit of like, the league's unbalanced, but there's only so, like, unbalanced is one thing, but like, a weird 30 game schedule that gets unbalanced to a point that's too weird, I feel like. Well also um,
1: like M- MLS is still so reliant on uh re- more re- more reliant than most
2: leagues on
1: game day revenue that they are not going to sacrifice any possible game right. days.
2: They they're looking for more game days. So of course the 17 yeah. home games for regular season play are baked in that's not going away. And so this is now extra. How do you fit that into the the MLS calendar as it exists? Um the last year we had that was a normal schedule wise year for, for non COVID and non CBA issues was 2019 where the season began on leap day. So it was February 29th. It was the earliest the league had ever started um, or no, it was that 2020 that started on leap day.
0: Um, that was 2020. 2020. Yeah, that was, okay. 20... so, was no, they, 2020. So 2020 started before leap day. 2020 had two games in February, I think, or like, okay. Had a, but either, something like either
2: that. Either way, 2019 and 2020 MLS had, set up the schedule before COVID they'd set up the schedule to play basically aiming for that weekend, whether it's, you know, February 27th or March 1st. Um, right. but they wanted to be that early. It sounds like from the reporting that one, it sounds like they haven't settled on how they're going to deal with this situation, um, in terms of when the league will start, but it sounds like they're leaning towards moving the schedule up a little bit, um, into like mid February which means starting a preseason, the CBA locks in a six-week preseason. That is, owners yes. are on the hook for that. There's no way to work around it legally, which means you're starting the season on, like, New Year's Day. If if you yeah. want to start in mid-February, you're at best on, like, January 6th or 7th starting preseason.
1: Um, so, yeah, now, now we've gone from, like, MLS having a uh, – a, confusingly long off-season to
2: MLS off-season being three weeks. Uh, I mean, almost. Um, you know, if this, if they want to move the schedule up, then that means the season ends roughly Thanksgiving-ish, you know, first week of December at the most. Hey, so make it Black Friday.
0: At, MLS Cup on Black Friday. Who's been calling I, for that?
2: I don't know. I've never heard of that idea before. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you're looking at a one-month off-season, which is in line with most European leagues. Um, they, their off season goes five, six weeks, uh, where it's not even preseason. Nothing's happening. Um, that part is okay, except the count, like European nations, everyone's got the same weather. Um, so everyone's dealing with something in MLS. If you want to start preseason on like January 7th, um, I don't know how the teams that are based in areas that are pretty far North, like, are they going to be okay with that expense of, either acquiring indoor training facility space or training doing their entire preseason away from home, um, which is what you're getting into. And it's not like, Oh, there's five or six teams. It's like 13 or 14 that are in this situation. Well, and also like putting a new
1: high intensity tournament in August, like what happens when you have a high intensity tournament in houston in august as global warming keeps getting worse and worse uh it's it's it, it it gets even worse than just a regular mls game midweek mls game in august in in houston right.
2: and because the solution to, expand... to that would be playing i would say the solution to that particular problem is playing later in the day but like is you know univision going to sign on for a like 11 p.m. start time due to weather not due to its right. you know preference of somebody it's just like the heat of the day is finally gone we can play this game without it being 100 um right i don't think that they i don't think the broadcasters that are probably like yeah yeah we want you to have more games because that is part of the um the issue here is mls needs to find a way to go to the, they know they're not going to get the broadcast deal that they've been dreaming of for so long like, I think we all know right. that that's going to be the case. They're like, well, how can we make this thing at least as good as it can be? And the only real solution is like, here's more stuff. Like, yeah, here's a new package. Content. It sounds like
0: from from StageSkull and Cardenas' reporting, it sounds like they are going to offer this as a separate package, essentially, not make it a, a part of the main bundle of, of MLS TV rights. This will be its own thing. Um which is an interesting Absolutely. approach. And it, I, I, I can see them getting more money for it that way, which of course is their goal. Uh, I'm just curious because in the CBA negotiations that delayed this season, they pushed out salary budget, salary cap increases essentially two years of, from the original date that they agreed to in 2019. So they're not making rosters bigger. They're not increasing the spend. Uh, I assume they'll add more TAM money or an extra DP or or something that's off the budget because that's how MLS, that's where they think they get the, the biggest bang for their buck as far as quality and exposure. But they're going to have to add a few or several roster spots for this. Like make the rosters 38 players, not 30, um, to get through this. And they're going to have to, those aren't going to, be league minimum slots those are going to, right. need to be serious money what? and i don't know that the league is willing to do that and that's that's the uh, another problem for me is that they're they're doing this they're adding these games and they're not making it sustainable like i think ben you're right there there's not an infinite supply of soccer players at the prices dc or the prices mls is willing and able to pay but there's a they haven't exhausted the supply either. Like there's a lot of players they can still bring up and who can do a job without really reducing the quality of the league because soccer is unlike other sports, because there's billions of players around the world, but you have to actually spend that money and create that roster space. And I don't know that MLS is willing to do that.
1: Especially since they fought it. Right. And also just like, again, like adding in a new tournament that might in theory take up the month of August when they still have the CCL. The U S open cup is hopefully coming back. Uh, I think most of us on this podcast find the U S open cup more important than many of these other tournaments, even though I know the TV audiences and eyeballs and, and marketing dollars do not agree, but I know the three of us love the U S open cup. Um, but in theory, that's coming back too, and so, like, what, that's probably, that, 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 that's a potential of, like, pushing on, what, 60 games per season for a team that goes deep in many of those tournaments? Maybe pushing 70 games?
0: I don't know if it's that many. Yeah,
2: okay. like, I don't, I don't. You know, d- depending on, um, you know, the open cup you're talking five. If you go all the way to the final, we don't know what the league's cup schedule is going to look like for sure, but it sounds like many small groups. So two game group stage yeah. is, is what it sounds like. Um, and then, uh, a knockout stage that goes what from 16? No, I guess 32. If you, if it's two game group stage and they want to yeah. take the top two, um, you're yeah, getting then, a 32 game knockout or a 32 team knockout, so that's five there.
0: Plus so the seven games for the yeah. teams that make the finals.
1: <laughs> and if you so, and if you go deep in MLS Cup playoffs, I, I wonder if they're going to have to reduce. That's, the that's final, another four games. MLS so,
0: no, okay, they'll so never more they'll never reduce maybe, the playoffs. No, the number yeah. of teams in the playoffs, so but they've more, already to 60. It maybe, is more like
2: maybe more like 50. Maybe more like 60. Yeah, I think 50 is problem, 55 is
0: still a lot of games.
2: Well, for for the memory, for the long memory folks out there uh, that were around for the Tom Soane era, yep. you might remember there is a year in which DC was in MLS, the playoffs, the Open Cup. Uh, I believe I believe they did they didn't have to do Open Cup qualifying, but they could have theoretically. They just in the Tom Soane era, especially the early days of it, they were doing too well, so yep. they didn't have to qualify. And CCL, they, they had in,
0: Super League,
2: so so there was a year where they were in both the Um, CCL and the Copa Sudamericana. Oh, that's um, right. The Superliga was still out there, but DC wasn't in that because they were in the Sudamericana instead. Um, But it was a situation where, and this is 2007 MLS roster sizes and roster spend. um, DC was in a situation where they were facing like a 50 game schedule with that era's roster sizes. It did not work. Um, You can't do it. The problem is I think, Um, to get to what Adam's saying about expanding the roster, which I think you have to do, but you still end up with a different problem there, which is like, how am I going to lure in the top-level talent that this, you know, okay, expand the salary cap, spend more money to compete with these Mexican teams. Great. I think everyone wants to see that. How are we going to expand the roster? And then, like, what do you do with players who come in and... They sp- you spend a lot of money and they don't quite break through. Um, things like that, where you're, you, you're creating a different problem where it's good to have competition and it's good for the rosters to be better at the top end to not just fill in the bottom with adequate MLS guys. That stuff is good. But you do run into a problem here where teams are charged with spending more money to stay competitive depth-wise while not necessarily having the ability to put that all together um yeah like that's a different problem but it's another thing that teams are not going to be prepared for yeah like what
1: if you spend uh five to ten million dollars on a dp and because of uh minute management he can only play 35 to 40 games a year and then he's missing like a significant portion of uh, the extracurricular. I mean,
0: it becomes uh, a, tournaments. It becomes a different challenge. If you have the depth, you have yeah. to use it, and you have to rotate your squad. You see it with European teams that are sure. balancing cup runs and league and Champions League or Europa League, and, and international call ups and all that. You see them balancing okay. it too, and, and going it's into it's
1: administration. Just,
0: like, I mean, the the, it's not the, the, the big play. clubs that are balancing champions league that are going into administration at this point it's when they fall out of champions league and you know whatever um well uh, just to add to this um i'm not against uh teams bringing in
2: better players and and spending more money on their rosters and having like 15 high-end players vying for 11 spots that's pretty good um i do wonder in the short term first couple of years there are going to be some mls teams that try and do this and do it real badly um And I'm reminded of 2008 DC United um, who tried to do this. That was the year that um, this is kind of related to that. Like DC's in every competition that there is. Um, and Kevin Payne very famously was like, I'm, I want to win everything, which is admirable. Of course you want to support the team where the, the team is like, yes, we're trying to win. We're not trying to compete. We're trying to win. That's great. And we're certainly at this following DC United, we spent a lot a lot of time where we knew that they were not trying to win. They were just trying to compete. Um, but there's a difference between being ready to mount that challenge and, like, overcommitting on Marcelo Gallardo and blowing up a successful roster because you're like, well, that roster is not quite going to be able to do the thing we're trying to do. And it's like, well, if you try and shoot the moon in a game of hearts and you miss – you end up, you know, bringing, you take all the points on yourself. You you lose badly. Um, there's a reason why shooting the moon is a whole difficult thing, is uh, if you do it, great. Everyone else gets screwed and you're, you get to laugh and have a great time. If you screw it up at all, uh, you suffer all of the consequences that would have gone to everyone else. And DC spent years recovering from that 2008 uh, overreach. And I think that there will be MLS teams that try to overreach for this thing. Um I'm also a little worried that there are MLS teams that will not try to reach at all. Yeah. Um which is a different problem that oh, I don't yeah. think DC's I don't think is going to have that problem. Um but I do it's going to make things more chaotic. It, it, the whole thing is going to be riskier, which is good. MLS needs to be aggressive in that way, but I do foresee problems at individual clubs based on a let's expand the salary cap so that this one month tournament goes well. Um, Like,
1: I don't see the Houston Dynamo being very interested
2: in, I don't see them having ambitions in this tournament, necessarily. Which they should. Uh, They should be one of the most ambitious teams in this tournament, given the population that they have. This tournament should matter to them more than the Open Cup. Um, But this is another thing, Ben, you mentioned the Open Cup, uh, that is definitely on my mind, which is that it sounds like the the way things are leaning is that one of the solutions to reduce some of this fixture congestion would be teams that make the CONCACAF Champions League don't participate in the Open Cup, which devalues the Open Cup quite a bit because now you're saying the best teams in MLS aren't in this competition. And exactly. we finally got the Open Cup before COVID. We finally got the Open Cup too close to what it could be. Um, and to immediately do something that devalues it in favor of what is i mean yes everything that we're talking about mls teams are themselves created from whole cloth we have to accept that that's part of the deal it's just one day there was a team and it's like this is very important now you have to believe it and we're kind of you know in the 90s kind of faking it till we make it um and a lot of these other competitions are like that the open cup is not that it's the one thing that we've got that is actually old um for real old not old for mls um and i feel like u.s soccer should have at the very least when i'm sure they had their say in this process they're not necessarily this is a leagues thing not confederations thing but u.s soccer should have been like look guys i we're gonna give you what you want but we've got a couple requests that you have to stick by for us to not interfere with Concacaf. and the first thing on that list should have been do not diminish the open cup and instead, right. it seems like the solution is, yeah, sure, diminish the Open Cup. Who cares? Um, right. And I, other, don't wanna, I I hope that they don't do it, because they haven't said that they're going to do it. There's a lot of things we don't know. I really want them. I know it's a small thing. It's only four teams or five teams or whatever. But it's really important for the Open Cup to not lose any any of its cachet. And doing this, I think, would be a real significant blow.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could be more than that, because they're expanding CONCACAF Champions League, yeah, too. Yeah, five, uh, six.
2: Something it's like going to be,
0: yeah, I think five teams from MLS automatically get in. Um, it's going to be a 32 team bracket tournament basically now, no group stage or anything like that. Uh, but every round is going to be home and away, two leg tie, um, which I'm more comfortable with in a champions league than I am in like the playoffs. It makes more sense to me when you have teams from different leagues that are doing that, than trying to settle something within one league. Um, because the whole point is to neutralize travel and, and all that. But uh, there's also going to be the top three teams from the leagues cup that get in. There's, I I think it's actually four from MLS automatically get in and one from the open cup or something like that. But y- you have a lot of MLS teams that are potentially going to be in this. Um, and seeing the, the open cup without the good MLS teams that have prioritized it, does diminish it and that's a problem even if it does open the door for someone else to win it's it's less fun it's it's less meaningful when the top teams aren't in it and the top teams are in ccl that's that's the point of the champions league the top teams go there and if they're there and they're not in u.s open cup i don't i don't like that uh i would rather i don't know there's a lot of problems that they have to a lot of questions that i think they have to answer um
2: with the Open Cup, I do understand that for MLS, it has never really made them a lot of money. Um, and they haven't really ever particularly cared about it because they don't control it. Um, but I also feel like, you know, there's an avenue for them to be like, why don't we try and like give this thing a help? Um, like, let's put some weight behind this. And instead, MLS is like, absolutely not. We're going to put our weight entirely behind something else that at is act its existence actively reduces the value yeah. of this other thing.
0: Right, um,
2: exactly. and, and I don't mind, I don't mind that it's a disruption. Like it's fine for them to come up with new ways to do stuff. This MLS Liga MX East combination has been, we've known it's they've been trying to figure out something for a long time. Adam, I know you've had a bunch of ideas on what they could do that would be pretty interesting. different structures, different all kinds of stuff. I know you've mm-hmm. thought about this a lot and none of it this really was not one of
0: the things i had thought of
2: <laughs> right um it's not really a problem in theory uh, i i don't think we should be opposed to it just because it's different from how england does it or whatever it's fine but like mls has such a, a unique set of geographic climate challenges in the calendar that can't be worked around and they didn't have a month to give up um and that's what i keep coming back to like the structure how they structure the future leagues cup i almost don't even care like i'm like okay it'll be fine it'll be fun the games will be wild we know this this is how things go it'll be an adventure hopefully i am not optimistic about it hopefully mls fans can be a little more uh grown up about how they conduct themselves towards uh fans of the mexican clubs that are at the games because that's been a real problem forever um All of that stuff is, I think it's okay. What I can't figure out is just calendar wise, it's too many games. Even if you add depth and all that, you're now getting into a situation where teams have to rotate more and that's all well and good. But like you keep adding games, midweek, midweek games mean less money. People are not coming to the stadium in the same numbers on a Wednesday night. Um, you're rotating, so it means that less, like, less minutes are going to your best players. Um, you run into situations, Kansas City in the League's Cup earlier, and this said straight up as an organization, full reserves, like, not a priority. They, and that, you know, if Peter Vermes makes that choice, that means he's most likely had a at least a brief conversation with ownership and is like, what do you want me right. to do here? Like do you well, which I mean, one of these do you care about, And they said, "Screw the league's cup, who cares um when, and and Jason like if,
1: if it gets up to fifty games, even just fifty games over mm-hmm. the course of an entire year, that's almost one game a week, and since they don't go out over the entire year, that ends up being more than one game a week on average, mm-hmm. and if you're anybody, a person with a family, a person without a family. It doesn't matter if if there's a uh, Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday game week. Most people aren't going to all three of those games, no matter what competition they're in. So you're losing out on money on it somewhere in that stream because you're overloading the amount of content that you're providing that
0: like. Well, I think this is part of a strategy to try to get away from being as reliant on game day revenue and to gin up TV revenue. I don't know that it's going to be successful, but I think that's that's at least part of the thinking here. Um, and I know I did not go to the Capital Cup games uh, this summer, DC United's friendly I tournament.
2: I, I saw it. Not many people were there.
0: I, I, I right. generally don't go to mid-season friendlies, which have been cooked into season ticket packages. If it's a game against a Mexican opponent with stakes, even if the stakes are made up, if the, the, the organization and the players are bought in, then there are stakes. Um, I might be more likely to go with my season tickets and actually use them for that instead of trading it in for value later in the season.
1: Right, but would you accept a uh, 20% increase in your season ticket price to to pay for...
0: That no, but I already have three games that are there, so I assume like if these three games replace, or if two games or one game replaces what's the three games that I have no interest in, that's more value to me, potentially. Um, like, like I said, I have conflicting thoughts, like not just mixed thoughts, like actively <laughs> conflicting, yes, ambivalent this might be thoughts. Good news,
2: Ben, especially for you, but I think for all of us, in that this League Cup might end the scourge of the midseason friendly uh, because <laughs> there's already not time for these extra games. So there's certainly right. not time to play random team from, I mean, a lot of the times the attempt has been to schedule a Liga Emeki's team for these games in the last couple of years for DC. Now they don't have to do that um, and, or, and really waste everyone's time with these friendly matches that I mean, ultimately I mean, ended up being valuable experience for a bunch of guys to play for Loudoun. Yeah, like like you were saying, like the league the oh, not the league, the capital cup
1: was just a ridiculous exercise in nothingness. Um I prefer the players have just a little more time to put their feet up and and rest and have human lives, but
2: right. I mean, I was just counting um just a few minutes ago, there's if you assume this the league season starts with two games in February, two weekends in February, um, to get to the end of November, you've got 41 weekends uh, in which to fit potentially 50 games, um, give or take. Like we haven't done the exact count, but you're fitting 34 games regular season in. You're fitting four or five uh, leagues cup games. If you go far, most teams will be in the Open Cup, if not all. Some the, teams will be and... in the Champions. Well, it, and the thing with the thing with the 41 weeks is like i'm not subtracting for the international windows because i didn't pull up the 2023 fifa calendar so does mls go back to playing through those they almost have to um and everyone hated that and yeah. there'll be several times a year because that's the, that'll be in the thick of uh what what qualifying will that be um there's always more for, because of uh, course the the clubs the club tournaments uh that keep adding on and expanding in in to infinity, it's happening just as FIFA keeps expanding and the confederations keep expanding their international tournaments to infinity. It'll it'll at least be Copa America and um uh euro. Right. Um and so are you are you going up against um whatever whatever you know because it's not like twenty twenty three will be one set of problems, twenty twenty four will have a different set of problems. Those tournaments are all going to be there and clubs are by FIFA regulations, required to release their players, right? And so now you're gonna have real and, games played with who's left, very depleted and
0: rosters,
1: right. right? And yeah, and, and like, yeah, the Euros are doing their own version of their League's Cup as well, uh, or their Nations League, uh, yeah, whatever
0: it is, mm-hmm. yeah, um, Nations League, not League's Cup,
1: yeah, 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 Nations League, but yeah, like, so even if, um, it's not qualifying, like those. Uh, players are still going to be strongly encouraged because those uh, Nations Cup games have a half meaning well
0: again they have the meaning that that people choose to assign to them
2: yeah Yeah. but but this is the problem is it just the response collectively around the world in soccer to having COVID disrupt everything and make everyone sit down and consider how we're going to structure even this year's soccer No one saw like no one was like guys, we have to like pick and choose here because there's only so many days that guys can play soccer. We gotta not pile it on. Instead, everyone went off to their own thing and was like, This is our chance to add more games and more tournaments. And they're all doing it. And there's no one that's like, Maybe we should be the ones to not add more soccer. Everyone's adding more soccer all the time.
0: Well, if you're the one you don't get to make the money. If you're the one who doesn't, do more soccer.
2: Right, like the arrow always goes up, except these arrows are like pointing at each other. They're going to collide um, at a certain point. And what's going to be in between them when they collide is like the knees and joints of of players worldwide uh, from overuse injuries.
0: Um, Maybe the five subs will stick around and that'll that'll take care of it. I mean, (laughs) I'm sure,
2: I will say MLS usually wants to push for the cutting edge rule changes i'm sure that when ifab reconsiders because the whole five sub thing is still only a temporary measure yeah um when ifab wants to reconsider i'm sure mls will be like please keep the five sub thing it's a good idea i'm not sure that ifab will care one bit what mls has to say about the rules and in fact might be like you americans and your wacky rules we're not interested in having this phone call like leave us alone like don't ever call this office again um that's the amount of cred that IFAB, the crustiest of crusty soccer organizations that ever will be, uh, is going to yeah. put on that. So there's a distinct chance that one of the tiny ways we try and mitigate there being too many games will also be tossed out for return to tradition. Um, I just, I don't, I'm fine with there being an extra competition in theory. I, I didn't object to the Super Liga back in the day, and this feels a lot like Super Liga. I'm sure the games will be wacky and fun and Highly dramatic in ways that are pretty silly, and maybe the revs will win one of them uh, and, and uh our friends up there can talk about the league's cup instead of superliga, but all of that stuff doesn't make up for the fact that it just well it doesn't fit in the calendar it just doesn't yeah. make sense um it will Jason, grind the players into dust
1: we have to we have to be sad now because uh the revs have now
0: secured. The the supporter shield for this year. I thought they've only secured not, a playoff spot. Yeah, not mathematically they haven't secured. There's too many games no, like, left oh. for them to have secured the supporter shield. If they lose out, oh, oh no, all right, no, them. it's playoff, it's
2: playoff.
0: But, That's right. but they're gonna win the supporter shield. Like yeah, they're yeah. very
2: close. They're very close. Um, yeah. which you know, good for them, I guess. Uh, that that they'll get the supporter shield with the crown logo before they change to this uh nondescript garbage uh, that doesn't look different from anyone else's except it's red and blue instead of the other colors um, good for them they seem happy and healthy
1: not me I guess. I'm a
2: damn sociopath um, but yeah I I just I, I, I'm fine I, I want to encourage MLS's like creative streak on how to do this stuff because they should they shouldn't try and replicate what everyone else is doing it won't work so they should think of new and innovative ways to deal with the weirdness of trying to run a league here it's just right, like but they the should also like here. get they, they rid of take the stuff of that.
1: that they. They should get rid of the stuff that is just like BS that like legacy BS. Like they've got if they want to do cool new stuff, they've got to give up crusty old stuff.
0: Well, what's the crusty old stuff they could give up? Like the CCL playing, playing.
1: Nobody cares about the CCL. I mean, if you want the I leagues, come to me. I'm cursed with stuff.
2: caring about the CCL.
0: I mean, I I like the CCL. Um, I would much rather
2: win the CCL than leagues cup, like a thousand percent Uh, because you get to go to the club world cup. You get the actual shot to play whoever you actually get to do the thing.
0: Um, The League's cup doesn't come with that. Also going through CONCACAF on this gave them a, an imprimatur that the super league clubs didn't have. And like it, it headed off a fight and a potential walk back. Like they got to roll this out with fanfare and not, slink away right, in like, the shadows.
1: The members of CONCACAF will never allow the CCL to end because yeah all the non US and Mexico leagues will never allow right. the CCL to be sure. gone And I mean right. that's good on them maybe. too. So maybe maybe we should think of the uh Leagues Cup more broadly and and make it a bigger regional tournament.
2: Which is uh, I, I honestly I put this in the SB Nation Soccer chat that when we saw that there would be some kind of announcement. And the dignitaries on there included someone from the Central American uh, mini federation and the CFU, the Caribbean football union, which is the Caribbean uh, mini federation within CONCACAF. They were included on there. And my first instinct was that the league's cup was going to become a different champions league in which MLS and Liga MX controlled it, but they were going to be like, yeah, we invited uh, teams from Central America and the Caribbean. So, you know, Olympia will play uh, and, and, uh, um, municipal from guatemala will be in there it, it, the teams that you're used to seeing aloholense they'll all be back for a different no, tournament. That it's just like the champions league except it's the leagues cup that's why yeah. i was like honestly the mls way to do things would be to make a redundant champions league in which it's not clear like one of them comes with better tv deal and more money and the other one actually has the prestige and a path pathway to the club world cup and they're not the same tournament right um instead we didn't get that it's just also you know a thing that doesn't fit into how time works
0: Uh, yeah i think (laughs) what mls needs to do is take all the creative energy they're throwing into uh competition structures and calendar finagling and have some of those people like work on logos instead so we just we don't keep getting the roundels you guys were complaining about how all the logos look alike. Let's throw some of this creative energy.
1: No, we need street teams. We need 1990 style street teams uh, to get people interested. In, to like, they need to go to the uh, 10 a.m. soccer bars that are watching EPL and get them, give them free tickets to come to uh, MLS games.
2: Street teams, bring them back. I will say i what i don't want is more new logos. everyone should be stuck with their logo for at least the next decade, regardless of how good or bad it is, because ultimately the biggest problem with that is just you keep changing it it's never going to mean anything to anyone if you keep changing it over and over again, like the whole thing takes time uh we're trying we're trying to hurry the thing that cannot be hurried um
0: the league's just, there's con- too many roundels there's too many roundels
2: sure but but we've made that there like at some point the the train has to stop and we have to just have the stuff that we've got for a while and be like, this is the thing for a while and it's fine. Jason,
0: which way does the arrow point? <laughs> <sighs> Always up. Always up. <laughs> and on that very hopeful note, we're going to call this an episode. Thank you all for listening. Find us at blackandredunited.com. Support us financially at slash filibuster. We're on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast, at blackandredu for the website. Download, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you get your podcasts. Mostly tell a friend about the show. That's the one of the nicest things you can do for us, especially after this long, rambling conversation about the League's Cup, a tournament that will not be played in this form for two years. Um, thanks again for listening. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason.
2: Max Blob.